This is Marion Ross. You're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. Beautiful. Is that it? <laughs> Not even in there. <laughs> This is Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host Frank Santopadre, and this is Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsession. I win the bet, Frank. You got the name right. Yeah. <laughs> so how long how long will it take before Gilbert announces this as a uh, as a Monday oh episode? Oh my God! Instead of a Thursday. I think episode. it's the first time I got it right. <laughs> We are here with. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to introduce the guest, or shall uh, I? Yes, it's either Michael Weber or Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> Timely. Colossal obsessions. Everyone in my family is now changing uh, our last name to Wilbur. Uh, it's, uh, it's Michael Weber. Yes. Hi. Thank I'm... you. And your first name is Miquel. <laughs> oh, yes. <God. laughs> Well, why don't we talk? Why don't we just uh, start by by referencing something that just happened that we're alluding to here, which is first of all, congratulations! Thank you so much. You are our first guest in, in something like 180, 200 shows to walk in the room fresh from an Oscar nomination. It is. Uh, I still can't believe it. So uh, it happened uh, yesterday. Uh, I uh, I was nominated for uh, best adapted screenplay uh, for The Disaster Artist, which I wrote Wonderful. with my uh, friend and writing partner Scott Newstatter. Uh, Gilbert would mangle that name as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> We'd have to do a, a part two. That's the reason he's not here. It would have taken like, the whole episode for you to say new statter. So he just figured, you know what? It's better if just I'm here. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Are, Thank you, you. are you still sky high? I, I, it hasn't fully sunk in yet. Even so. though your name was mangled by it, Tiffany you know Haddish. What? That made it a memorable moment. Right. So, uh, and, right. and you know what? I saw Girls Trip, and she's hilarious. She's a so, funny you know lady. What? She can call me anything she wants. That's so. great. It's, uh, it's great. So it's an honor. And as I was also pointing out to Gilbert, and this shocks him uh, <laughs> to his core, <laughs> you are a fan of this very podcast. I love it. I've never missed an episode. I've Jeez. listened to every single one of them. Uh, <laughs> I think I might also be your youngest guest. Uh, <laughs> you you might be. Like, that, uh, <laughs> Sean Connery is our youngest <laughs> guest. <laughs> I, I set a Google alert this week for Kirk Douglas and Olivia de Havilland, praying nothing happens to them. While you have me on instead right. of them, exactly. the clock is ticking. Right. What are you guys doing? You could have waited a little. That's I, it. Well, you're 40, right? So I, I turned 40 this month as well. You so turned it's, 40. Uh, been right. a special month. Yeah, man, we would be our youngest, maybe our youngest guest. We had the problem child from the problem child oh, uh, of, right. uh, franchise. Oh, that's, Ooh, that's right. That's uh, close. Michael, Michael Oliver. Oliver. Paul Shear is a year older than me. Paul Shear's older. He's, he's in the disaster artist as well. Apatow, he's a funny guy. Yeah, we loved having him here. Apatow's older than you. Oh, definitely. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Boy, it's it's uh, jo- uh, Josh Groban. Oh, Ooh, that's uh, well, close. That's okay. close. It's well, close. I'm on the short list of people you've had on who know what a podcast is. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the host doesn't know about what a podcast is. So, uh, yeah, so that's how uh, uh, we didn't find Michael. He found us. He wrote to me and 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 said he was Jeez. a fan of the show. And I and I knew 500 Days of Summer, a, a movie, a wonderful movie that that he wrote with Scott. And I said, my God, 
you know, you, and, you and gotta come on. Usually, when someone gets nominated for an award, uh, we know they're not gonna want to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a there was a moment there was a touch and go moment yesterday where I thought nah he's out yeah yeah <laughs> he's too good for this I'm only shit. The, I'm only the screenwriter so I'm here if it was an actor or a director forget about it best adapted screenplay and yes. I'll talk about Disaster Artist for a couple of minutes which Gilbert hasn't seen but he's going he's going to see you're going to run right home and see it right Gil yes how many times did you have to watch The Room to so, watch for our listeners that know. So for anyone who doesn't know, The Room is now considered one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, it's often called the Citizen Kane of bad movies. Uh, it's no back by midnight, Gilbert. But, it's- <laughs> but the reason it, it is it is incomprehensible when you watch it. It, 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 it defies understanding. Uh, five or ten minutes in, you think it might be a porno. Ten minutes after that, you think it's a home movie. 20 minutes after that, you think you might be watching a snuff film. It's just, it's it's so out there. It's really up your alley. Uh, these two friends who who desperately wanted to break into Hollywood and, and couldn't really, uh, you know, get a toehold, uh, decided, you know what, we're going to make our own movie. And uh, they made The Room. And, and the thing about The Room is if you watch it, uh, it looks like it was made in one afternoon for $50. And it uh, allegedly cost $6 million. It's incredible. And you don't know where the money went when you watch <laughs> no, it. No, um, which you guys play with in the yes, film. You yes, play with we that. Have some fun you with play that. with that idea. And uh, what the crazy thing is, uh, the movie then became uh, a cult hit, slowly but surely. It, it initially came out in um, 2002, uh, 2003, and um, it took a few years, but AFI students and USC students in L.A. were going to see it kind of as a gag. And bringing their friends, and their friends brought their friends, and sort of almost a um, the internet had not uh, reached a point yet where everyone was streaming things and watching them on YouTube. So it really was, in some ways, the last word of mouth cult hit. Uh, and and suddenly people in Hollywood were going to see it and having these sort of private screenings at home. And uh, the crazy thing is, all these years later, the movie has now turned a profit. It has been screened on every continent. <laughs> that says- uh, they, there was a screening Incredible. in Moscow a couple years ago. Uh, it's become a real hit, and people love this movie. They go, and there's all these rituals, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show, where people interact with the with the movie as it's going. Um, for for my writing partner Scott and I, we we were very mindful of we wanted to write a movie about these two guys, these two dreamers who just couldn't break into the business. Tommy and, then, and Greg, Tommy and Greg, yeah. Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero, right. and and years later, Greg uh, wrote a book with uh, Tom Bissell called The Disaster Artist. And we adapted that book. And for us, um, we, we wanted to mostly focus on the aspect of two friends, two dreamers who believed in each other when no one else believed in them. Uh, and, and, and the nice thing about our movie is you don't need to have seen The Room to watch it. Uh, as Paul Shear uh, yeah, said... I, I hadn't seen The Room when you invited me to the screening. Great, great. Yeah. And that's I love hearing that because as Paul Shear said it, if you've seen The Room, The Disaster Artist is a sequel but if you've never seen The Room, The Disaster Artist is a prequel. So they could be watched in either order. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we set out to make this. Uh, James Franco directed it and plays Tommy Wiseau. His brother Dave Franco plays Greg Sestero. Seth Rogen produced it and has a small part in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we went into this hoping uh, to not make the worst movie of all time. If that the bar was The Room. <laughs> uh, at worst case scenario, we'd make the second worst movie of all time. Uh, and so to, to be nominated for an Oscar... Uh, for the screenplay is crazy. It's just kind of surreal, isn't it? It's 
Yeah. It, I, 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 I'm speechless about it. It still yeah. hasn't sunk in. I'm going to make Gilbert watch both of them. I'm going to make him you watch The Room, too. Yeah, watch The Disaster Artist first, I think, in a weird way. because um, You have an appreciation of bad cinema. Oh, yes. Gilbert. Oh, my God, yeah. And he's been in a few, yeah. if I may say. <laughs> he's been in a, maybe a clunker or two. Well, you know what? Work, with a, few, be... work with a few monkeys. Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you have a do you have a do you have one that you consider the worst of the worst? Uh, the ones that I've been in? Yeah, the, the, like which one is the like <laughs> the truly the bottom I'd of the I'd like barrel? to know that too. Well, see with with me there's just too much to choose from. <laughs> I was in a film that I have not seen called Funky Monkey. Oh wow. Okay, you got homework to do, Mike. Yeah. And and who, who was in that? It was uh, a, there was an actual chimp? Yeah, yeah, an actual chimp. <laughs> And and I heard this was yet a remake. They had done of what? They had the done of a French version, where in the French version they had an angry, drunken French midget in a monkey suit. Oh my god! <laughs> and they said. He was always bombed out of his skull and and just fucking pissed off at And this world. is an American remake yeah, of this? And, and I guess the first one was so good. <laughs> guys, guys, I found my next project. There you go. A movie about the making of Funky Monkey. There you go. This is yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna text my agent right now. Yeah. We're doing this. There's also Back by Midnight, which I referenced Back before. By midnight. With, was Rodney Dangerfield and yeah, you also never saw it. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Did these things get released? I don't know. I mean, I was in another Rodney Dangerfield one that was um Oh Meet Wally Sparks. Meet Wally Sparks. You that, know that one? That one I've, I've seen Meet Wally Sparks. He's in it. That's a kind of a great that's a very watchable bad movie. Yeah, it it, it was the last vaguely, very vaguely watchable. <laughs> <laughs> Was that before or after Ladybugs? Oh, oh that was, was also after, terrible. After <laughs> okay. Ladybugs. With the late Jonathan Brandis. Yeah. yeah. When when Rodney started doing those bad movies, <laughs> they they were bad Ooh, movies. Yeah. 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 We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. You you got a we we did your uh, we did your canon we uh, oh, recently yes. on the show actually we never got through it we have to do a, th- a third episode we 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 printed out Gilbert's IMDb page <laughs> and did the mini uh, we did a mini episode we just went through them there should be a new segment where you bring in the residual checks every quarter <laughs> oh. for the for the worst ones I, and be like and and Frank guesses almost like a he, you like you have the check uh-huh. for uh, meet Wally Sparks and Frank guesses how much the residual check is I like for. to do that I have a a residual check. I once got hired to do a voice for the movie Mom and Dad Save the World. Oh, my Terry roommate, Dark. my roommate at Syracuse, owned that on DVD and used to watch it around the clock. That's distressing. He, he's gonna hear this and freak out because I used to make fun of him for owning that DVD, and I say to him, "You are the only human being who owns this on DVD." That is yeah, distressing. Yeah, it's as bad a movie as you could get. And to to further insult injury, they didn't use my voice in it. I'm not good enough for <laughs> I I was not oh, the films I was not good enough for. That's a whole other show. They That's a whole cut episode. me out of double dragon. 
That was a movie starring uh, Alyssa Milano. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I thought that was like a Van Damme movie. Yeah, I, think yeah, so. I thought it, so, too. It was based on the video game. Oh, with Alyssa oh, Milano. And, and I was... I was. Uh, Were you her cut- love interest? <laughs> <laughs> I I was cut out of. Um, oh God! What? We- oh oh, Blank Man. Oh, the Damon Wayans yes, picture. Yes, the, yeah, not Blank Man. Good enough for Blank Man. Blank Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know that one? Of course. Okay. But I got You're a buff. I got a check, a residual check, for uh, Mom and Dad Save the World for a. Penny. Oh my! That that was my roommate. Yeah. So we've now put it together where okay, that one go. it's come full circle. The one DVD sale was from. So yes. I'll <laughs> let him know. <laughs> so I'm you, Gilbert. You have to watch uh, Michael's movie. You have yes. to watch the Disaster and, Artist and the Room and the Room and then and then report back. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. Um. You you also uh, you could just throw this away or 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 say maybe one thing about it because I think it's kind of fun. And when we met, you told me that you were Robert De Niro's assistant. I did. That was my first job uh, after college. I was um, I went to Syracuse. Gilbert and was intrigued by this. I yes. went to Syracuse, and I um I I couldn't afford to go away for spring break. So uh, this was the '90s. I opened the phone book and cold called production companies in New York, uh, and and the person who answered the phone at at Tribeca Productions was Scott Neustadter, my now writing partner. There you go. So we met as friends working for De Niro. When I graduated, uh, I went back and I was uh, one of De Niro's full-time assistants. Uh, that was my first job at 22. Um, Kismet. It was crazy. Um, uh, my, my, my job evolved over time because, uh, to Bob's credit, uh, that first year or so, I wasn't getting any writing done because, you know, to be a personal assistant for someone of that stature is really almost a seven-day-a-week job. Uh, and I met with Bob about after about a year of doing it and said, look, I, you know, I got into this business to write and I just, I don't have any time to write. And he created a position for me where I was no longer one of the sort of assistants in his office doing the day to day stuff, but instead, um, archiving his props and wardrobe from all his movies. And, and Bob keeps his, he, first of all, he keeps all the drafts of all the scripts. He keeps his correspondence from, from the movies. He keeps the notes. He keeps wow. props and wardrobe. Uh, for Before it was in his contract, my understanding was he used to just take the stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and we had a... That's a Gilbert well, move. Yeah. <laughs> he, exactly. That's a hardcore Gilbert move. I've seen the documentary, so I know. Yeah. You guys are kindred spirits. Does he, um, does he store soap under the bed as well? As, I don't... There was never any um, any anything from any hotel room, so okay. none of that. All um, right, uh, but but we actually he had a warehouse uh, that looked like the last scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it was just boxes, and 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 most of them were unmarked. So uh, I like to say I had a De Niro fellowship to write because I was working part time for him, archiving these amazing uh, uh, artifacts, uh, and and then and then half my time writing. And sort of just having enough time to kind of get my writing off the ground, but but working for him was incredible. You would dig through these boxes, and it was uh, his his hack license from Taxi Driver and the shooting script. And you turn to the page and see where he wrote in the margin, "You talking to me? You talking to me?" Wow, that script, that? and it's it's insane. Uh, I will say, for every uh, piece of treasure like that, there was uh, you know his socks from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gilbert wants to get his hands on those socks. There was, um, 
you know, if, hilarious. If you want the backup undershirt he didn't wear on day ten of shooting of Jackknife. <laughs> Yeah, I remember Jack. Knight. We had that. So wow. So, yes. Yeah, so why would he save all this stuff? Um, I, you know, so he tells is this it just a bit of a hoarder, or is it because he he feels like he's going to have something to donate to a well, so to a university one day? He and- tells this great story that uh, when he was a young actor starting out, he was at Western Costume, and and it was one of those early pictures that he did with um, uh, Brian De Palma. Oh, hi, mom. Uh, or gre- or gre- of, greetings. I, I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, it was yeah. one of them. Although I think those might have shot in New York. Whatever it was, it was one of his early, well before he was a star. He was digging around at Western Costume, and, and in the back, there was a bag. And literally crammed in a bag were costumes from Gone with the Wind. Jeez. And, and off that, he he kind of made note of he was just going to keep his stuff. Um, and and it, it was incredible to go through that. And I will say now it has a home. Uh, the That's Ransom great. Center... Uh, which is an archive uh, on the campus of the University of Texas. And it is, it's an incredible facility. And that really was my main project working for Bob was finding a home for all these artifacts. And you can go there and see all this stuff. And it's it's really incredible. And they put a lot of it on display. And people, um, to Bob's credit, he had the foresight that not just actors, but if you are a screenwriter, you can go there and read the scripts. If you want to be a great. director, you can go and read all of... Um, his notes and everything from directing Bronx Tale and directing The Good Shepherd and sort of no matter what you're interested in in in, in pursuing a career in filmmaking, you can go to this archive and learn from it. So anyway, that was my my job uh, working for him. It's fascinating um, that, he, that he that he did have the foresight to do that. Yeah, so all that stuff's in Texas. And 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 be, before I forget, since you named greetings, yeah, the theme song. Of course, he's going to tell you. The, he's going to know the theme song from Greetings, a movie that hasn't been seen by anybody in forty years. Greetings, greetings, greetings. We would like a word with you. Greetings, <laughs> greetings, greetings. Spend a day or two with Uncle. Spend a day or two with Uncle. Spend a day or two. With Uncle Sam. <laughs> can, can you confirm that this was the theme song from Greetings? I feel like we need to lift that clip and send it to the University of Texas. <laughs> Done. Let's match it up. That that should be in the archive Done. right now. Done. Does he have the collar like from True Confessions? Does he have every everything that he? Everything. I'm just pulling. I'm just pulling movies out of the air. Oh, every- does he have that? Sliding gun. The thing from Taxi the Driver, the he apparatus. He had the fake milk me thing from Meet the Parents of the Breastfeed. It, it, every everything. Incredible. So it was really amazing to go through. Um and 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 you know what I'll say like amazing for me. I'm I was in my twenties, uh barely making ends meet, but working just enough to get health insurance and have time to write and uh it really it, you know he sent me the nicest email after the nomination came out and I see him How nice. every once in a while and he gives me a big hug and he really like was sort of uh, the person that you know helped me get my career started. So it's a, it's a nice story. Yeah, We'd yeah. We'd love to have him here, but he's not a chatty Kathy. <sighs> he as, is, as you know, and and he's too well respected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Far too well respected. I, uh, I, I'll tell you guys one quick story that, sure. that you'll appreciate, uh, and if not, you can lift out. But uh, it, it really was a surreal experience working for him because uh, my my first day on the job, my my actual first day. Uh, as his assistant, uh, was his birthday. And uh, I had been an intern, but but the inner sanctum of his office was something I, I, you know, interns were not allowed anywhere near there. 
And my first day, the, the lead assistant who had been there many years said, just sit here and watch me answer phones. And in a few hours, uh, I'll let you take a call. So I sat there for half a day and just watched, you know, the, the, these three women roll calls all day. Uh, and it was maybe early, a little bit after lunch when she said, uh, all right, you can take the next call. I take the next call and I answer it. And it's Harvey Keitel. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. And, and, uh, Keitel, uh, so so here's the thing. The office at the time was a bunch of women and me. And and uh, and and Harvey said, are you the new boy? And I didn't know this yet, but I guess most people, like the, the young guy in the office who did computers and cars and tech things for Bob was usually considered the boy. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the new boy. Uh, and he said, okay, well, um, there's a large box in Bob's inner office and it's for his birthday. It's his birthday present. And I can't be there. Uh, when he opens it. So I'd like you to videotape him opening the box and send it to me because uh, I'd want to see the look on his face. <laughs> and I said, uh, oh, okay, thank- okay, Harvey, sure. Uh, he hung up uh, and and Bob came into the office a couple hours later. And I, by the way, I'd gotten the job. Um, I'd never met him. So there was no interview with him uh, to have the job. Uh, Bob comes in for the first time. I meet him and I, I, I'm, I'm nervous to meet him. And I, I said, uh, Harvey called, and uh, do you see that large box over there? That's uh, your your birthday present. I have to say, this box was three feet high, a foot and a half wide. Uh, I, it was a huge box. Uh, and and Bob said, okay, uh, here's the, the camera's over there. Uh, go get it. And I said, okay, so you want me to, to film this? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go get the camera, and we're in his office with this box, and he said, where do you want me to stand? And I... I I, I don't wherever you want. I, I didn't. Or is this good? How's the how's the lighting? Is this a good spot for me to stand? I said, yeah, no, that's that's fine. So I, I take the camera. My arm is shaking and I'm holding it with my other hand because I can't believe my first day on the job. I'm I'm directing him in a movie and he, he pulls out a pocket knife and he, he cuts open this box uh, and the smell from the box Hits us like a punch in the face. <laughs> and it is a giant moon rock piece of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> and and Bob said, oh, thank you, Harvey. Thank you so much. I, I really, you know, I appreciate it. It's very funny. And the, and and that's it. The video stops. And, and uh, I stop the camera. And Bob looks at me. And in all seriousness, he says, should we do another? Wow. And I said, no, that, I think we got it. That was uh, That's hilarious. That was good. That was good. The ink was not dr- dry on my diploma, and I'm shooting him in a <laughs> in this little video for Harvey on day one of the job. So it was just a, a, a crazy experience, and, and that kind of set the pace for the rest of the job. But uh, that's Gilbert, did you ever interact with him? Uh, with, with I, De Niro? I spoke with him incredibly briefly. Yeah. About three times. Okay. He was very nice. Uh-huh. And he did give me a hug the last time I saw him. And um, I did have one scene with him where I had about two lines. That, of course, was cut out of the movie. Which one? Wait, which movie? <laughs> and, and, oh, and The Comedian. Oh. Oh, Jeff, oh, the Jeff Ross thing. Yeah. If, yeah. if you never saw it, uh, you... 
you could join the rest of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice I could say that was after my time. Yes. I I, I spoke with him for 50 seconds backstage at at, at The View, but he strikes me as a guy, from what I know about him through mutual friends, is that he he has a a, a wicked sense of humor. He does. I think he would appreciate somebody like Gilbert. He loves comedy, too. That was the thing I didn't realize until I worked with him for a while, is like he really does love comedy and loved hosting SNL and sort of doing all those things. Right, right, right. Uh, I, you know, I, anyway, I, I owe the start of my career to him. So, and, and it seems like both he and Scorsese, I mean, they prove it in both like, well, King of comedy. Yes. They both seem to love Jerry Lewis and, uh, I, they were obviously fans of Don Rickles. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had Ileana Douglas here and she told oh, yeah. us, she told us that she confirmed that, that, that Scorsese was a, was a Gilbert fan. So that was nice. And you could tell by Ola Scorsese. I thought you were corpse number six yeah. and bringing up the dead. He was Jimmy, <laughs> not, he was Jimmy two times, but he was replaced. <laughs> he was replaced. Yeah. What? Yeah. I was one of the corpses in uh, Goodfellas when they're playing Layla. <laughs> <laughs> you were the pilot on the Lufthansa flight that was. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> on, <laughs> You know we're having so much fun doing this that that we're 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 going to actually get to the premise in part two. You, can you stay for another twenty five oh, minutes? Of course, it would be my pleasure. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this then to take us out of this one. Uh, did you you wrote a, a a movie for Jane Fonda and Robert Redford? Yes, Scott Jeez. and I um we were we were shocked uh, that Robert Redford brought a book to us a few years ago, a beautiful novel called Our Souls at Night, written by Kent Hurriff, who had who uh, Redford was friendly with and had passed away a couple years ago. Uh, and all along, it was intended to be him and Jane Fonda, their reunion after um, uh, you know all these years. Together. They hadn't worked together since Electric Horseman in 1979. Uh, so Scott and I were thrilled. And, and in some ways, it was an interesting career thing for us because uh, 500 Days of Summer premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. And then a few years later, uh, another movie of ours, The Spectacular, now premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. So without even knowing us, Redford had had an influence on our career and, and really helped uh, 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 sort of us build a screenwriting career. Oh, nice. So the fact that he then came to us with this book, and I have to say, um, we spent about a year and a half developing the script with with uh, Jane and, and Bob, and being in a room with them for hours was incredible. It was so cool to be with them and every meeting took four hours because uh jane was always early and redford was always late and they would sit around and kind of just kibitz for a while before we got into the meeting and that was the best Were they reminiscing about the old days Were they reminiscing and about talking barefoot about, in the park of, uh, talking about old friends and this and yeah. that and we ended up shooting the movie in colorado but at, and at one point they were talking about about old towns in utah and colorado and and jane fonda talked about visiting her dad on set of some films when she was growing I mean, just like crazy stuff to sit there and, and you pinch yourself realizing she's talking about Henry Fonda. Like it's, it's and John Ford. It's insane. Uh, I'll tell you one funny quick story. Um, Jane is a, a true cinephile. She sees everything, heard that every movie, her. American films, foreign films. She knows the name of every director. She is a film buff. She's amazing. And, and, and Redford is a film fan too, but it's just not a, you know, more, more like the rest of us. I mean, Jane must watch two movies a day. It's incredible. So we were we had a meeting, and it was uh, around the time of award season a few years ago, and Jane was 
was talking about uh, this movie and that movie that came out and all these movies up for Oscar consideration. And Redford was a little behind in, in, in watching the screeners and catching up. And, and, and she was kind of giving Redford a little bit of a hard time that like, you haven't watched this yet. You haven't watched this yet. And, 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 and Redford was taking it, uh, taking it well, but then Jane got to the Revenant and, and you remember the Leonardo DiCaprio film that yeah. he won best actor for. Yeah. And Jane goes, Oh, Bob, you have to see the Revenant, and and have you seen it yet? And he said, "No, no, I haven't had time for it yet." And said, oh, Bob, and she kind of playfully hits him a little bit, and just you just make time for it. You have to see it. You have to see the Revenant. And Bob finally goes, "Jane, I saw the Revenant. I made the Revenant. It was called Jeremiah Johnson." <laughs> <laughs> uh, great, and he's right. <laughs> <laughs> So right, and I, I just Scott and I were like, we, they're paying us to write this movie. We would do this for free. This oh, is incredible. Man. So uh, that movie's out on Netflix now, and is uh, a, yes. a really sweet um, uh, souls, love story. Our souls at night. Yeah, directed by Ratesh Batra, who's a really interesting uh, international filmmaker who made this movie called The Lunchbox some years ago that that won some awards at Cannes. And anyway, we're we're super proud of it, and to work with them was a, a dream come true. So. That's good stuff, and I love Five Hundred Days of Summer. Oh, which thank I've you. Showed Thanks. my wife recently, and there's just so much to like about it, and uh, I'll make Gilbert watch that one too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike came here with a premise. Yes. But we've had so much fun just chit-chatting about De Niro and all kinds of fun stuff and his his uh, hobnobbing with Jane Fonda and Robert Redford, for Christ's sake, that we will do it in the next part. What oh, do you think of please. that? I guess we'll have to. So we're, we're going to sign off and we're going to do that. What do you think? It's an honor. And then, you're, and then you're in two weeks in a row. I love it. So this has been another edition of of Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal obsessions with our guest, Mickey Weaver. (laughs) Cousin of Doodles. I love Mickey Weaver. All right, Mike, we'll see you next week. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Colossal Obsessions.